Those dots are so ominous sometimes. Like, I feel like dot, dot, dot can be like something funs to come or buckle up. Now. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized I said I had four dots on mine. I I wonder if that makes it more ominous. The the more dots, done. Like, that's what the dots are sometimes. It's like dot, dot, dot. Hello, 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 and welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, come and join the conversation in our Facebook group. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. I've been having fun and games the last couple of days. Is that what we're calling what you've had? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what your idea of fun and games is, but... Yeah, that's We're not on the same page. (laughs) You're witnessing it here first. We're not on the same page about (gasps) fun and games. Oh, my goodness. Well, tell your story and let's see oh. let's see if anybody agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really fun and games. Um, yeah, I've been I've been um, trying to get um, of the two of us. I am the more um, technically inclined, shall we say? Is that fair? Oh, that's a nice way of putting it. Yes, <laughs> that is um, a very nice. So way when there's of anything it. technical that needs to be done for the universal needs, it normally sits on my desk, literally. Um, and so um, I was having to reinstall my laptop and um, upgrade our cloud server over the uh, weekend so I was sat with both laptops side by side it was a very exciting weekend not Um, and uh, I cannot tell you the number of people that I've spoken to on tech support over the last two days who insist on telling me that what I'm saying is wrong without realizing that I used to do tech support (laughs) And it's like, it's really interesting because when you when you understand the needs stuff, when you can put a needs lens on it, you know, okay, you're trying to meet your value need, you're trying to meet your personal power need. But I'm like, okay, I know you're wrong. <laughs> How do I tell you that you're wrong without screwing, like pissing you off so much that you no longer help me? Um, but I had a couple of occasions where it's like, yeah, don't tell me I can't do that because I've just done it, so I know it's possible. Um, and um, they still try to tell me that it's not possible to do the thing that I've just done. Or that the, the fun one this morning was, um, was here's the reason this is happening. I'm like, okay, let me break it down for you. Here's this, here's this, here's this. That's the reason that proves it's not the thing you're saying it is. Um, as somebody who, uh, like if you've ever worked in kind of tech, you always try and troubleshoot. So it's like trying to figure out if I take things out of the equation, then they can't be the thing that's causing the problem, which is what I did. And I'm like, he's like, oh yeah, no, it's definitely this. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> Wait, one, Do you, you know what definitely means? Well, it, the funny thing is, is that he was trying to tell us, tell me that it was, um, it was Drop, Drop, Dropbox hadn't, hadn't backed it up properly. I'm like, you get the Dropbox isn't a backup service, it's a syncing service. So it's the same on Dropbox as it is on the laptop. So if it's on the laptop, it's on Dropbox. When Dropbox tells tells me it's synced, oh, 
yeah, I still don't think the Dropbox backed it up properly. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and that was only one of the annoying things. So uh, yeah, it's I have compassion because I understand the needs that people are trying to meet. meet um, and it's still really, really irritating. Yeah, you have to honor the frustration that comes yeah. with be compassionate as well <laughs> well and it's interesting because i think there's a lot of it that because i'm a woman um that there's an element of and it's you not, don't know tech stuff it's not been <laughs> lost on me that um that that both of the people i've had issues with this weekend have both been men um and it's it, and you can just almost hear that oh sweet she thinks she's talking about here let me let me tell her how it really is and i'm like oh honey you have no idea who you're talking to <laughs> let me break it down for you and there's been so many times that i had one with a, a a cell phone service a while ago and they went yeah it's not possible to do that and i'm like okay i know it's possible to do that and here's the reason i know it's possible to do that so you telling me it's not possible to do that let's just figure out how we do it right oh oh okay then yeah I'm like, it is kind of sweet in those moments, but it's so frustrating that you have to get to that point. Well, I was so. trying. I was saying when you were telling me this, I came in this morning and it was recap on her oh so exciting fun and games weekend. <laughs> and I'm like, I wonder, like the Great Resignation. We've talked about it in um, previous episodes. Yeah. Like, I wonder if the tech support actually knows what they're doing. Like, how many jobs I've seen, mm. especially here, where people myself included, have ended up in a job that they can figure out but aren't yeah. necessarily trained or um, well, have the might. passion for. I mean, technology, like, I'm sure I could, knowing customer service the way I do, could provide customer service support for a tech company. I could not do it well <laughs> or with any relative accuracy but i could like muddle my way through it and sometimes well, i feel like and half the time he's like oh i found an article that said he sends me article links i'm like this <laughs> is googling not, this is not something that's going to be solved by your knowledge base trust me because i've already gone through that to try and figure it out myself to yeah. try to avoid speaking with you well and you're this. right i think there's so many people down here like, we've seen it down here the number of people who are down here and it's just we need a warm body in this mm -hmm. job that's it. I need we, somebody to answer the phone. Yeah. Like how they answer the phone, how well they answer the phone, how, yeah, another matter. So yeah, it's it's interesting times, interesting times right now. So anyway, but that's what we're talking about today. Today we are talking about a pattern of behavior that we see showing up frequently in a lot of different relationships. And this is the use of the phrase or some version of the phrase, if you loved me, dot 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 those dots are so ominous sometimes like i feel like dot 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 can be like something funs to come or buckle up uh, now <laughs> like <laughs> well i just realized i said i had four dots on mine i wonder okay. if that makes it more ominous the don, more don, dots don, don. <laughs> like that's what the dots are sometimes it's like dot 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 <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much how I use dots, actually. I use them I use them pretty frequently. But you're right, that kind of dot, dot, dot. It's like, if you love me, what? Then you would do what? And I think that this is something, um, I mean, we've both seen it in lots of different situations. I've used it. Yeah. Pre previously, like, I never, I never even considered, like, what was actually coming out of my mouth and what that phrase, I mean, it's, what, one, two, three, four, I... Yes, I had to literally count the four words on the, and four dots apparently it, as well. It, it, three to four dots, depending on uh, how ominous you ominous you want it to be. But that statement holds a lot of weight. There, that that's 
that's not in a, like a light statement to say. Right. And and the the very the very beginning of that sentence means it doesn't matter what comes at the end of it. We know there is some form of emotional manipulation that is going on. It's unconscious like, or conscious. A lot of the time unconscious. Sometimes there's an awareness that there's that this doesn't feel 100% good mm-hmm. or, or this is this is what i like if you're the person on the delivering end of the if you loved me this is this is how i'm going to get them to do what i need them to do to meet my needs for me well that i mean not even that i mean most people don't even know they're doing it to meet needs i mean needs doesn't really even come into the equation when it comes to this phrase normally this is how i'm going to get them to do what i want and if you look at that statement you're aware in that that there is an emotion there is a manipulation going on you i'm like i'm trying to manipulate this person to do what i want them to do they wouldn't necessarily frame it like that um but and a lot of people don't even realize that's what they're doing and sometimes this can be done with like kind of quote unquote kind of good intentions it's like i'm going to emotionally manipulate them into doing the thing that i think is best for them to do but it's really, I mean, it's, this is there's a really, this is a really screwed up way of going about it, because what it does is it makes it such that the belief in this is that if you love me, you would do the the end of that sentence is you would do what I want. There's that's the that's the what those dot dot dots stand for. Now, depending on the circumstance and what it is this person wants you to do, will kind of determine the heaviness or lightness or um, the extent to which this feels icky. But it feels icky from the outset because basically what we're doing is we are emotionally manipulating other people through their needs. Actually, what we're really doing is we're trying to use our somebody else's needs to manipulate them to do what we need to get our needs met. That's really what that, that sentence is all about. So what needs are we manipulating and what needs are we trying to get met? So the focus really, I think the interesting thing is what what consistently comes up is the needs that are being used to manipulate because they're pretty consistent within this. And there's a, there's a few different ones that come up. Um, a lot of the time it's um, the love need comes up. It's like, oh, well, if you loved me, you would do this. So it's like, oh, well, I must do it. But I, I love this person. So of course I have to do this thing because if I, and the, 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 um, the kind of follow on is if I don't do it, that therefore they won't love me as much anymore. So there's a there's definitely love need that comes up in there. Security need can also come up in there as well because the the kind of follow on from that love need thing is like, well, if they don't love me anymore, maybe they won't be around anymore. Maybe they won't show up for me if I don't do the thing that they want me to do. And so um, if this is a person through which you get a lot of your needs met, which it tends to be when this phrase comes up, um, then there is that kind of security will come up and like, oh God, I don't want this person to leave. Subconsciously, we know it's what that 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 we get a lot of needs met when they're around. Consciously, we're not aware of that. We're just like, oh, hold on, no, I like this person around. We like the person around because a lot of the time we're getting a lot of our needs met through them. But in reality, that's not a conscious process. So sometimes the security need will be up. Sometimes the um, the a love need will come up. The other thing that sometimes can come up around this is the value need. So it can be this um, unspoken sentence of, um, 
if you loved me, you would do dot, 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 because that's what a good girlfriend, child, parent, sister, X, Y, Z would do, um, like fill in the blanks as as appropriate. Um, and so the, the assumption is, is that if I don't do this thing, that I'm not a good person, that I'm not a good wife, that I'm not a good daughter, I'm not a good mother, I'm not a good sister. Um, and so that can be um, um, where our value need can come into it. But I would say that, I mean, there are others, there's, I mean, because there's always new ones. Would you agree that there's an element of the personal power need as well from the person kind of delivering it? Yeah, I think that's the thing is that there's that when we look at the um, when we look at the needs, as I said, the needs in the person being manipulated stay pretty consistent. Um, But I would agree that a lot of the time this this is a way even just using this is a way of somebody trying to get their personal power need met because it's like I've got power over this person because I can get them to do the thing that I want them to do so that's not the need in the person that's being manipulated this is definitely something that tends to come up in in the person who's using this phrase um and again it's not like a again that's not a conscious thing it's like I need power over this person so I'm going to do this thing like that's not how it works um but what tends to happen is that when we realize subconsciously that we're able to manipulate somebody else that we're able to get somebody else to do the thing that we want that we we get this kind of little hit to our personal power need now it's a very very red spectrum way of getting our personal power need met power over people is always a red spectrum way of getting their needs met so if we feel powerful in relation to somebody else or because we've got power or control over somebody else that's never a health uh, a supportive or nourishing way of getting our needs met or a constructive way of getting our needs met it's actually a destructive way of getting our needs met Instead, there is a different way of getting our personal power need met, which is power with, where we are in our personal power, they are in their personal power, and we co-create together. So it's a very, very toxic and unconstructive. Unconstructive. Yeah, that works. Um, I was like, unconstructive, deconstructive, like whatever. Uh, It's not not an ideal way of getting that need met. Um, That's that's not a good approach. Now, um, and when we look at the other um, needs that could be up for the person who is saying this, the reality is it could be any of them. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the other person to do something to get whatever need it is that in this moment in time, we're seeking to get met through this other person's behavior. So it's not really, there's not really a consistency in our own needs that can be like, oh, hold on, this is this need I'm trying to meet. Maybe that's, maybe I'm using this for this purpose. It's more when we look at how we are, um, like when, like Serena said, that personal power and the kick coming in of like, oh, look, I can, I can get this person to do what I want. That, the second we start to feel that, oh, hold on a second, the chances are that this is coming up. And the thing that we have to remember when it comes to this is that any form of manipulation, any form of toxic behavior, any form of behavior where we are manipulating somebody else, what we are doing is we are dropping into a disempowering dynamic because we are acting like the persecutor or perpetrator to this other person. And the second we do that, we become disempowered with it as well. So the interesting thing is, is a lot of the time we get this, this momentary hit of like, oh, I can get this person to do what I want. That momentary hit is severely undermined by the extent to which our personal power need is compromised when we do this. But we're not consciously aware of any of this. So that's the reason that some of this is very difficult to spot because it happens in the subconscious. But something like if you look for the phrase like if you loved me or 
um, like, oh, like, oh, can you please do this for me? Because like, if you don't, I'll be sad. Like, that's exactly the same sort of thing. We're using the emotional experience expression need then as a form of manipulation. We're making them responsible for our feelings um, rather than saying, owning like if they don't do the thing that I might be sad but I'm not using that to try and get them to do the thing that I want them to do I'm just going to go oh that's I'm like a little disappointed I'm going to process that now and not hang on to it and it doesn't even have to be a like a verbal um a like verbal explicitly, a, said. explicitly yeah. said it could be like a oh hmm. or like any sort of um like, well, there's, the, like, there's kind of two ways of this working, and I'm, I'm, I, I know that you probably will resonate with both of them <laughs> from your past. As do I. This is not something I'm going to particularly point at Serena. Um, Are but, you referring to my spitefulness? <laughs> no, I'm referring to your unhealthy, uh, un- deconstructive. No unconstructive and unsupportive habits around getting your needs met in the past before you knew how to better meet them. That's what I'm referring to. Fair um, <laughs> so there's two, there's kind of two sides to it. Um, there's, there's this, this kind of phrase has, it's like two sides of the coin. One side of the coin is like, if you loved me, you would do this. The other side of the coin is if you don't do it, hmm, I'm going to respond, I'm going to withdraw my love. I'm going to withdraw my connection. I'm going to make it clear that I'm not happy and I'm going to make you suffer the consequences of the fact that I'm not happy because you're the one that's around me and I'm going to direct that often in your direction, even if what I'm directing in your direction is my back and I'm making it very obvious that I'm ignoring you right now. Let me introduce you to my inner toddler. There we go. <laughs> um, so there's, 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 a, there's a two sides. So there's that, there's that, I'm trying to manipulate you by saying, if you love me, you would do this. Or the other side of it is, I'm going to... I'm going to negatively impact your needs because you haven't done the thing that I've wanted to try to manipulate you into doing it now and doing it in the future so that you don't have to suffer the consequences. So for example, if I'm going to do that, hmm, I'm going to I'm going to withdraw. Whereas like we've been like engaged in conversation, it's been fun and everything. And then you don't do the thing I've asked you to do and I shut down and I go cold and I'm not like, no longer interacting. What I'm doing is I'm withdrawing the, um, the love and connection need. And so what I'm doing in that is I'm, I'm trying to there's it's almost like um it's um like a form of penalty like it's like I'm penalizing you for I'm there's another word I'm trying to come up with begins with p and I can't think of it right now um but it's that I'm I'm going to um make sure I'm I'm going to punish you basically this punish isn't the word there was another one if you think about it write in and tell me because I've got no idea what it is right now uh, I'm going to punish you for not doing the things that I wanted you to do um, by doing something that's going to negatively impact your needs. So that's still using a form of emotional manipulation. I'm trying to use your needs to get you to do the thing that I've wanted to do. So Serena's right. It doesn't have to be like a verbally explicit thing that you're saying. So the the verbally explicit side of the if you love me would be the, oh, like, and the like puppy eyes and the, mm, like, mm, please. Yeah, it's that, please. It's like, but it's not a clean like. Please, would you do this for me? There's this obvious. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm sad at the thought you're not going to do this. There's definitely a fawn element to it. Yeah. Yes and no. 
mm, gonna I'm gonna call I'm gonna pause that because fawn is a trauma response and we do not this is, doesn't happen as in response to a trauma so it's really okay. it might be in response to a trauma that's happened many mm-hmm. years back but I don't want to dis, um, dilute the the fawn response as a trauma thing because I don't want people to be going oh look see I'm doing a fawn response that's a trauma thing I can't help it I'm responding to my trauma because that's what we're talking about now is not that this is something which is a normally partially conscious manipulation I'm trying to get somebody else to do what I want them to do um and so it's the it's the like puppy dog eyes it's the oh please like the please being like if the, the you can almost hear the if you loved me you do it like in that whine um like in the in that plea that but baby right exactly <laughs> all of that is the like um like it, as I said you don't even need to say anything you just be like mm, I'm like with the little look on your face as if to say but I'm so cute why wouldn't you do it for me like don't you love me enough to do it for me like all of this is subtext none of this has to be explicitly said and there's also another emotion that can mm-hmm. be lathered over that which is kind of that like that bit of an edge where it's the person doesn't take that kind of please and the you know the cutesy aspect they make it more of a confrontation where it's like well if you love me you do this yes absolutely so um so there's so let's let's jump onto that in a second the second thing is that there's a non-verbal way of the of you kind of doing the 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 punitive thing which is as serena said it was like the hmm like I'm going to hump and I'm going to turn my back to you. Same thing as the, um, the that's the non-verbal way of saying, um, I mean, you sound like a bit of an arsehole, I'm going to be honest, if you actually say this. But non-verbally, people do it all the time, which is like, oh, well, I don't want to talk to you right now because you have another thing that I wanted you to do. Like, I'm, I'm pissed with you right now because, like, it, and it almost sometimes gets positioned in that situation when it becomes verbal as you're being mean to me because you're not doing the thing I want you to do. And it's like, no. That's not being mean. That's me not meeting your needs, which are not my responsibility, and me not responding to your emotional manipulation, which is not the same thing as being mean. Um, but that's how it tends to be verbalized. Like, well, you're being mean to me right now, so I don't want to talk to you right now. Um, and it's like, mm, no, let's be clear. Um, that is somebody saying that they are not going to give in to your emotional manipulation. So the third option, which is what Serena has uh, just spoke about, which is the there's a there's a kind of confrontational approach to it, and that confrontational approach there's almost like a um, it's almost like there's a veiled threat in there. That's exactly what I was thinking. It was like it, it's almost a threat, but it's not quite a threat but it's absolutely it, no, it a is, threat it is absolutely <laughs> a threat but it, it's it's kind of it's a threat masked as a as a not threat <laughs> whatever that is uh, not entirely sure I'd, I'd like to see that in costume form i'm doing amazing with my language today like i am on fire um but yeah that whole thing around um of going well if you if you love me you would do it um the the kind again the subtext to that is and if you don't, there's going to be consequences. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like you've got the the withdrawal of, of, of your needs being met, being kind of the, like there's the, um, I'm going to use your needs to try and get you to do what I want in the, by suggesting that if you love me, you would do it. So I'm trying to pull you into doing what I want you to do. There's the, I'm going to shut down or I'm going to, I'm going to withdraw from you if you don't do the thing. And then the other, the, this option that Serena's talking about now is almost like the veil, 
well, not even veiled threat, um, but it is a if you don't do the if you don't love me or you don't if you don't do the thing that I'm saying that I want you to do, which I'm telling you you would do if you would love me. If you therefore don't love me, I'm going to make sure that there's a consequence to you for that. So normally, the fear and that's often done with um, children, where it's like the fear is what's going to happen to me if if I don't do the thing. So it's like, um, am I going to get something taken away from me that I really like? Am I not going to be able to do the things that I want to do? And and I, I think that that's certainly um, one of the situations in which we see this phrase being used a lot, right? Yeah. Chill, I, if you hadn't touched upon it, I was going to bring it up. It comes up a lot. And a lot of times parents, it's a very unconscious thing that parents are doing, which is why I think that, I mean, you hear it in the grocery store, you hear it like, there's, I I hear it a lot. Like, and thinking back, like, I really do hear it a lot in Mm -hmm. a very span, like, in different scenarios with different people, people I'm close to, people that I've never met before. And it's utilizing, and it's often the loving way of saying if you loved me to a child but it's like oh eat your dinner um no i don't want my dinner if you loved me you'd eat my dinner eat your dinner like imagine what that's doing to your child like well, the- and i think the thing is is that as i said what we what what is being done in that way and i'm gonna say it's not loving but there is the what they're trying to do is they're trying to di- get the child to do what they think is best for the child so what they're doing is saying to the child, because they think it's the child needs to eat their dinner. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm trying to get you to eat your dinner. What can I do? What can I say to get you to eat your dinner? Well, I'm going to say this. And then that's when the, um, the it's, it's like, well, I'm manipulating them for their own good is the kind of um, internal excuse or justification that's given. It's like, well, I know that's not, how I want to do things as a parent but it's like I'm going to do things this way because it's the only way I can get them to do the thing I know that they need to do for their well-being right yeah and it also comes into play not just for their well-being such as children need to eat if you've ever been around a child sometimes they don't eat doesn't matter what you put in front of them they're like no I'm not going to eat this Mm -hmm. and then normally five minutes later they ask for a snack yeah (laughs) ice cream no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um also to do little things like um cleaning up or you know they the the little the little things that would make the parents life easier mm-hmm. like stay next to the cart that's a safety thing as well like at the grocery store yeah. you know stay next to the cart if you loved me you'd stay next to the cart and normally what this has happened is is that uh, this normally comes up when a boundary has been pushed like when when children are kind of challenging what's going on for whatever reason and this is the thing there might be a, a whole heap of different reasons why they are doing this but it's normally coming up like that like i don't think many parents walk into the supermarket and just say to their their uh, or the grocery store and say to their child if you love me you would stay next to the cart it's normally when the child hasn't stayed next to the, ch- the cart so it's like what's happening is the child is doing something that doesn't that I mean, it may be compromising the child's needs, but in actual fact, a lot of the energy from this comes really predominantly from the fact that it's compromising the adult's needs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, what is what do I need to do to get this t- child to just do what I need them to do right now? Because I've got great, and we understand, like there's, we're busy, there's, we're short on time, we've got things to do, we've got groceries to get, we'll get home, make dinner, all those sorts of things. So we understand the reasoning behind it, but what it does is it teaches the child that, 
with, with that the reason to do things is because they love somebody else, not because there's an internal reference point. And it reminds me very much of the um, uh, one of the kind of antidotes to this when it comes to parenting is um, the attachment parenting uh, approach of uh, principles versus rules. So this is When this sort of thing comes up, it tends to be that we are doing it in response to, there's like an unspoken rule. Like the unspoken rule is you have to finish your dinner. The unspoken rule is you have to stay by the car. The unspoken rule is X, Y, and Z. But in all of these situations, what's happening is the child is having these external things imposed on them. And especially if a child is at the point in their development where they're learning about autonomy they're learning about boundaries they're learning about then they're trying to push boundaries the fact that it is being put on them from the outside is the thing that's going to cause them to push back and what parents are trying to do is they're trying to use this emotional manipulation to kind of get underneath it and around that pushback and be like oh well it's like I'm not telling you to do that I'm like if you love me you would do that I'm trying to get you to I'm trying to get you to want to do it because you love me now, the challenge is, is this thing creates a very warped relationship to love and to what our expectations are of love and how what our responsibilities are to other people with love and relationships. And this is not something that, I mean, this is a generally very messy area in our culture and our society anyway. I speak as somebody who worked as a relationship specialist for many, many years. A lot of us very screwed up in terms of our relationships and how we relate to our relationships and the other people who are in them. And so instead, what we want to try and do is find that way of helping create that internal reference point, that internal motivation for something to happen, but to do it from a place where it's not because of the impact it will have on other people, uh, another people, another person. Because also this, what it does is actually starts the um, the seeding, the, is the, the seeds that are being sown that will create people-pleasing behavior later in life. And actually, we, we have a, um, a series coming up on people-pleasing specifically, um, but this is like one of the seeds that often can blossom into a little people-pleasing tree because they've been manipulated from from very young to do things according to what everybody else wants them to do and to prioritize that over what they feel, what they think, and what they need. And sometimes to ignore their own boundaries because that's another, like with children, I think it's especially um, noticeable with children because a lot of times they haven't learned to set boundaries. Like the boundaries are harder to hold for children just because they're not as aware of the... Um... Well, and they don't communicate boundaries in the same way. Like the, the, normally like with a child, it's like, you've done this thing, it doesn't feel good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a tantrum because my boundary has been crossed. And they're not going... Mummy, you just crossed my boundary right now. And I really think we should sit down and talk about this because I need to enforce my boundary. <laughs> They're just in a puddle of tears screaming on the bathroom floor. Um, and you're like, what the hell happened? I just said that you had to put the top back on the toothpaste or what have you. <laughs> um, and, and so there's an element of... It's, but depending on the child's developmental age and where they're at developmentally will depend on the different conversations you can have. And it's the same with adults where this strategy actually undermines boundaries that have been set. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to realize. Like, it's not just getting somebody to do something. If somebody says no and you have to say, but if you loved me, you would, or but this is the reason why you should do this for me, you're automatically pushing against that gate that somebody's put up that was the 
no, like, why does there have to be a but? Well, and the thing, thing about it is, is that when it, this is where the, the, the lines get blurred with this, um, the need stuff, depending on whether we're talking about adults or children. We're going to come back to adults in a minute. Um, but it's really important that, that we find an antidote because there are some times when children are saying, no, they're, they're putting boundaries in just to put boundaries in because they're just starting to learn about them. They're saying no for the sake of saying no so that they can try this and see whether it works or not. And there are some situations in which no isn't really going to work for the situation circumstance that you're in. So there are going to be moments where where there has to be a compromise around this. But I think the, the challenge is, is that because it's something that's being put on from the outside, that is what causes them to push back. So when we're talking about the attachment parenting approach of our rules versus principles. When we sit down and we, we put in rules in place, this is the thing that's been put on the outside that somebody else kind of can push back on. Principles instead are where we sit down as a family and depending on the child's age, like, I mean, once we get to the point where we can start to have these kind of conversations, if you're able to say to a child, if you loved me, you would do this, you're at the point in their development where they could have a, a voice when it comes to what the principles of the household would be. And the principles are these kind of internally kind of guided um, things. It's especially important that, that it's done as a group, as a family. And it's something that could easily be reviewed every year, every couple of years, depending obviously, because you want to get then the new input when they've kind of developed a little further. But the idea is you sit down and you figure out what are the principles as a family that we um, that we want to engage with. So principles, so the example I often use is, the rule is don't hit your brother. The principle is let's be kind to each other. And so what it does is it opens up a dialogue around, okay, here's the, here's the situation that we're dealing with right now. You've hit your brother. Okay, one, do we think that that was something that was kind? Is that, is that in alignment with the principles that we've all agreed to? This is not just like mummy and daddy have decided or mummy and mummy have decided or daddy and daddy, whoever it is, parental, um, guardian, um, have decided. This is something that we have all decided together that these would be a good idea. And so when you're in that, when you're at that place where you can then have a conversation, well, okay, that wasn't kind. What was going on there? What, what's, what's, what's the reason that this is happening? Because sometimes it could just be that they're emotionally overwhelmed and they don't know what's going on. It's like, I don't know. I'm feeling upset right now. I saw a, a, a post, which I'm going to put out um, uh, in a couple of days on the fact that this woman was saying that she was talking to her child and her child was being just short and curt with her. And she was like, like she was like, what? She said, what's, she said, I feel like you're being unkind right now. Tell me what's going on. And she was like, she, she kind of froze and she said, you're not going to be in trouble, but I can't help if I don't understand what's going on. And the child says, I don't know. Sometimes my brain just tells me to be mean. And, uh, and she's like, I understand that. Sometimes that's what happens. Like if we, like if we're frustrated or we've got something going on and like, it just tells tells us to be mean to people because we're reacting to the fact that we have we're upset about something and she just took she talked her daughter through processing this with her rather than punishing her daughter for being curt or rude I mean how many of us are curt and rude when our needs aren't being met and we've got stuff that's compromising us a lot why should children be any different but this is the thing is that when we when we then can have the conversation about it then we can figure out how to best support them in getting their needs met so the same is true when we're talking about um for example um 
I'm trying to think of an, ex uh, an example, like staying by the shopping cart. I'm trying to think what the principle would be of that. Um, that it was like maybe that we stay together while we're out. Like that might be uh, a principle is that, that it's a good idea for us to stay together while we're out so that everybody stays safe, for example. That might be an option. Um, and then it becomes a conversation because when things aren't happening as you would as you would want them to, normally it's because something else is going on with the child's needs. There's something else that they're needing in that moment. So maybe that they don't know, they're just full of energy and they can't stay still right now. So, and it may be that it's like, okay, now we have a conversation around, okay, if we can get around the grocery store super quick, let's go and stop at a playground on the way home or we can get home where you can go run around the garden and get rid of all, like burn off all that energy. We just have to do this first. So the quicker we can do this the quicker we can get there and that's and it's like a lot of the time you find with children it's like if they have a, a light at the end of the tunnel they're like okay I've got to do this because then I can get to this then that's something and it's not that that's then not a manipulation that's you working together to find a solution that's supporting everybody's needs now that's not always possible I understand like with safety and with parenting there are times and there are certain developmental stages where you can't have a conversation about everything because I mean I, I saw a brilliant um, thread I'll see if I can share it underneath um, in the show notes um which was just like toddlers having tantrums for no reason mm -hmm. like one like, like the, this, this kid is bawling its eyes out because it can't get rid of its shadow or it can't like it it's um it's it's bawling its eyes out because its pet ice cube melted and mm -hmm. it, it's trying to get it back i um, like there are some times when logic doesn't work in these situations and in that situation if there is something that is not logically not logically minded so then sometimes it may be that there's emotional experience expression that's up and that there's something that they're needing to just get out just get them to have a bit of a scream have a bit of a shout like let's get it out of your system like whatever it is there's a whole bunch of different ways and obviously i'm coming up with very generic options here because we're talking from a very generic standpoint. When when I'm working with clients one-on-one, -on -one, that's when we're able to go, okay, here's the situation. It's this child. It's this situation. Okay, here's the tool or technique you can use in this situation to support them in getting their needs met. I want to mention that creating those options that Claire was talking about, uh, whether we're talking about adults or children, mm -hmm. that helps reinforce the personal power mm. needs. So if you're coming together to co-create in, let's say, we're going to go back to that shopping cart story where a child just has energy and sometimes that's just what happens maybe the park isn't an option okay can we go to this corner and just run in place for a moment like what would feel good to you right now and have them help come up with the decision so you don't even have to like the provide them the, provide them with mm -hmm. the option and you don't have to say if you loved me it's like okay here's you are in control of, or you are um, have the ability to help create what you want okay well, and to make a decision, so maybe they're like using the cart option. So if it is that they're full of energy, it could be like, okay, so why don't you, um, so you've got two options. You can either uh, like um, hold on to the cart here on the side, or you can hold on to the car here at the back, or like there's there's two options. Like, or it may be, and if you're um, if you're wanting to, um, if if you're full of energy right now and you don't know what to do with it, how about as we're going along, you jump and you count how many jumps you do, how many jumps can you do while we're in the supermarket, and you get them jumping like holding onto the carts is like you can stand here and jump or you can stand here and jump which would you prefer and again like once you go into that place of like you could do this or you can do that that's why they often say like at certain developmental stages um that you're that if you provide options then you're going to have less pushback because it's like rather than saying 
do this is like, do you want to do this or do you want to do this? You're giving them some personal power. You're giving them some choice. You're containing the choice to within the things that are within the realm of possibility in that moment. And also the things that are going to be work for the other circumstances that you've got going on in that moment. But this is where you can start to like, when you start to understand what needs are trying to be met, what needs they are trying to meet, and you know what your needs you're trying to meet, you're trying to meet your, um, your, foundation function need of getting around this as quickly as possible so you can get home and make dinner because you know you need dinner they they're tired they need an early night or whatever it is so it's like how do we then find something that's that's going to work as best as possible for everyone involved and coming up with options is a really good way of doing i will say that you do sometimes come across children uh, and i have one of these in my life who i love dearly who you give them option a and b and they want to come up with their own option c um but again you can then help them to do that so it's like okay you want to do this or this, or if you come up with another option, it has to be like within this or within that. So it's like, you can do it within this time frame, or you can do it within this space or uh, what have you. You can do whatever you want in that space. So maybe it's like, um, you can stand here on the car or you can stand here on the car and you can jump. And I was like, I don't want to jump. Okay, what would you want to do in this space or this space? So you can still give them something they can come up with. So they still feel like they're in control, but it's like within the context of you're, you're providing the container for them to come up with ideas and suggestions that will mean that their personal power need will be met and they're no longer feeling manipulated because that's the thing is that when you when you hear that if you love me that internal pressure comes of oh my god I have to do this thing because otherwise this person might not love me I might not be a good son daughter girlfriend partner whatever um or and they may not they may not um be supportive of me they may not want to be around me anymore if I don't do this thing and it's it's that internal turmoil internal turmoil that gets created when we hear that is profound because multiple needs are at risk in that moment and there's this there's this subtext of like if I don't do this some there's going to be a consequence to me or to this other person that I'm then going to be responsible for so it's then going to compromise my needs as well so this also comes up with adults quite a bit yes <laughs> I mean I can't tell an adult to act like children many a times as right. well <laughs> and this is not again not coming from a judgment we've both done this mm-hmm. in the past where it's like oh if you love me you would get up and get me a glass of water oh like, those little those little ones mm-hmm. those little ones kind of lay the foundation for just, the bigger ones yeah and continued like Claire and I were having a conversation this morning of like little niggles that Mm -hmm. all of a sudden turn into something sustained and no longer it's a niggle. And if you don't know what a niggle is, go back to our, uh, no, stay tuned. No, go back to. Go back. Go back to our friendship series. (laughs) Episode 61. It wasn't the last episode, it was the episode before that. We're recording so many episodes at the moment that Serena's losing track of what's going on. And the only reason I've got track is because I've got a list up on my screen. So episode 61, Clearing Niggles, it was the last episode of our friendship series, which was at the beginning of this year. Awesome. Um, That one. So it it then starts to compound. It becomes this sustained thing. And it's those little things that even seem like, like, oh, I'm just joking. They know that they don't have to get me a glass of water. Just a joke. It's just a joke. But even that joke is still... Like, whether you necessarily feel it emotionally, physically, energetically, mm-hmm. it's going to hit the second you hear, if you love me, you will. Well, and exactly. I mean, when, and like, again, it's you don't intend for there to be an impact, but there is an impact. So go back and listen to Impact Over Intention if you haven't heard it, because that's a really important um, podcast series and a uh, podcast series, podcast episode. And I know that 
I know there have been times when like you've shared with me about the fact that you've like you did it in the past with your husband and be like oh babe like if you love me you would do that and it's like and again you would never have intended that to have been a problem and you would never have intended to impact him but there's the but again it's that oh there's that feeling of like once that once that sentence has been said, it's like, well, I don't have a choice now because mm-hmm. if I don't do it, it sounds seems like I don't love that person. There's going to be a consequence either way. Uh, absolutely, like, whether yeah. to me, to mm-hmm. to them, to them. And it's funny because in my journey with it, I realized the if you loved me, like before I even did the universal needs program and started doing this work that phrase never really kind of sat well with me. I'm mm-hmm. like, and I think it was because I heard that a lot as a child. Mm. Like, so for me, I'm like, oh, I know what that is. So I took the- And you know f- how it feels. And I know how it feels, yeah. So I kind of removed that phrase naturally from you know, my vocabulary. And I thought it was better because I didn't do that phrase, but I would do the cutesy like, oh, please. please. Like, <laughs> oh, could you get me? Like, like the glass of water is just perfect. Like, could you- oh. I'm so thirsty. Can you get me a glass of water? Like, and just kind of that whiny, beggy. And Mm -hmm. even if it, like, the energy of it. Because even if I wasn't whiny, I'd be like, would you get me a glass of water, please? Like, anything. Like, it just, like, even saying it, it's like. And it's like, there's a difference between, between, uh, would you mind getting me a glass of water? And, like, where it's clean and it's, Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's easy. The thing about it is, with the version that I just said, is that, if you are in a relatively, um, if, it, it's difficult if you have a, a, a history of people pleasing, if you had traumas around this, this is a different dynamic. So it may not be as easy in those circumstances. But if I say, would you mind getting me a glass of water? There's Like it's neutral. Mm-hmm. There's no, like it's a genuine, would you mind getting me a glass of water? Not um, The second that you go, oh, would you please get me a glass of water? There's an additional pressure. Like it's mm-hmm. obvious that I want you to do it. And if, I, if there's going to be some kind of consequence, even if that's just, oh, I'm disappointed right now. Like, meh, 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 meh. Um, I'm going to die of heat dehydration because you and didn't. And it's all your fault. Like, that's how it seems. <laughs> it and it's like, but even if that, even if what's happening is just that, meh, I'm unhappy now. It's like, if you're somebody who cares about someone, you don't want them to be unhappy. And that's often the thing that is like, oh, I'm unhappy now. And it's like, oh, I don't want to be able like, and that's also the manipulation. Like, I'm unhappy now is the, oh, you, the, the subtext is you made me unhappy. You're the reason I'm unhappy. So again, it's this feeling of pressure. And that's, we go back to the, um, the guilt and shame series on that's not guilt. That's a attempting manipulating your humanity which i think is episode 45 um if you go back to that one that's exactly the same thing it's like i'm going to make you feel bad about something that really wasn't your place to feel bad about because i was asking for something that wasn't reasonable for me to ask for in the first place and making it seem like you didn't have an option but to say yes like there's a difference between uh would you mind getting me a glass of water and would you mind getting me a glass of water baby please like if you i hear that and all i can think of is i don't want to deal with it if i don't yes exactly and that's exactly it because even if the the threat doesn't seem like it's going to be there's a obvious outward consequence to me i'm gonna have to deal with you being in a space which you obviously are not going to be uh, an enjoyable person if you're to be whining around. about the glass of water now i can imagine what kind of whining would ensue if i didn't if get i don't the glass get it for water you. exactly and so this is where um that there's 
it's okay to ask somebody to do something for you. But the key thing is, is the only way to ensure that we are not compromising somebody else's needs, especially somebody else's personal power needs, is to be clean in it. Where it's like, I mean, I will often say, and in fact, how I phrase things often with people is that I'll often say to them, like, um, just so you know, no is a perfectly okay answer. Would you be willing to do this? Um, and just that letting people know it's okay to say no means that it's clean. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, what's even more interesting about this is if somebody doesn't feel like they've got a choice in something, they're going to not want to do it. So the fact that they... Regardless of if they could or in another context would be more than happy to. Exactly. And that's the thing is that when you get into that space is that resentment is going to build because even if they do it, even if they'd be happy to do it in other, in other circumstances, if they don't feel like they've got a choice in it, they're going to resent having to do it because they're going to feel like they had to do it. They're going to resent uh, that situation. What that means is that will then undermine the relationship. It undermines trust. It undermines connection. So you're trying to get normally these superficial needs met, but you're actually compromising some, some pretty important needs, especially from a social standpoint. If, however, you say to somebody, just so you know, no is a perfectly okay answer. Would you would you be willing to do this? Um, and they feel like they have a free choice. They're actually more inclined to be like, actually, yeah, I'd love to do that. But they will feel like they're doing because they want to do it, not because they don't feel they feel obligated. If there's a sense of duty, or they feel like um, if they don't, there's going to be consequences they don't want to deal with. Another phrase that I usually use as well is um, "there's no expectation here." Mm-hmm. Just to put it out cleanly ahead of time, like. There's no expectation. I'm just throwing it out. I do it with Claire all the time. All I'm the like, time, yeah. No expectation, and I just need to get this out of my head. Can are you able to do this? Or, I need to ask. I mean, you asked me about. There was one this morning. I yeah. remember you were like, you were like, um, just like, there's no expectation. I just need to ask you so I can clear it. And it basically, what I, what that means is, I've got too many things running around my head right now. Let me ask you this question with an expectation that, in fact, what's funny is that. In those situations, I kind of almost feel like your expectation is for me to say no. Mm -hmm. That's actually how it feels. And sometimes there will be such situations where it's like, actually, I I expect you to say no to this, but I'm going to ask just just Mm -hmm. to find out if if I if I'm missing miss um, predicting what I think the answer will be. Um, And because there's no expectation, it's easy for me to to say yes and it's easy for me to say no. The interesting thing was this morning was a great example where Serena asked me whether I would be able to take care of. Oh God, he's coming up again. Larry. Larry. Um, and the girls, um, the sugar gliders. <laughs> Poor little stepchildren they are. It's like Larry, 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 and the girls. They are delightful, but yeah. they're just not, they're not as big. <laughs> in any way <laughs> I think that he's just a little bit more of an obvious character and you interact with him a little bit more in day to day life because he kind of wanders the apartment as opposed to True. the girls are in the cage see what I did there little little Larry Nuggets I'm like I could get a little conversation going that wasn't intentional <laughs> so if you love me you'd let me talk about Larry on the podcast oh my God, could you fucking imagine no I, I could that? no I do love I you and never, no. I would never, like, as much, as much, I would never even, like... Just the thought, of, like, just let's kind of say, like, the, it feels icky just thinking about it. So, um, um, Serena asked me whether, and she was like, no expectation, I just have to ask this to clear, would you be able to help take care of Larry and the girls? And it was actually literally the day after I get back from vacation. Now, this is not going to be a relaxing vacation by any stretch of the imagination. I'm spending time with three small people around theme parks and everything. So... 
when Serena asked me whether I was going to be able to help out on those two days, with no expectations, I was able to say, if you don't have anybody else, if you like, if you don't have another option, I'll do it. Ideally, I would prefer not to because I'm just back off vacation. It's going to have been a busy vacation. I could probably use a couple of days of chilling out and not having to go anywhere or do anything. But because of how it was phrased, it made it easy for me to be like, if if she'd asked without that kind of a caveat, I'd have been like, oh God, do I feel like I'm kind of obligated to do it, which would have made me feel less inclined to do it. But obviously I want to make sure that I help her out as well. So I'm like, if you don't have anybody else, absolutely I'll do it because I don't want you to be left in the lurch. And if you can find another option, I'd really appreciate that. So um, yeah, it was, it, it's, the thing about it is, is that whenever we feel like we have to manipulate somebody else to get what we need, that is a great opportunity to look in the mirror and be like, um, what needs am I trying to meet right now? And what can I do to do this for myself? Kind like, of the, why do I, why do I feel I need them to do this? Well, I mean, even just a step beyond that, because if you come up, I, I would say that the question is, what, what am I trying to get them to do? How could I do that for myself? So, because the thing about it is, if we come up with a reason why we're doing, why we're we trying to get somebody else to do that, we might be like, well, see, this is the reason I'm trying to get somebody else to do it for me. Whereas instead, look at how you could do the same sort of thing for yourself, even if it's, um, it might not be quite the same. It might not feel quite the same, but you're going to feel better to not be in that kind of manipulative energy with somebody else. Um, even if it's unintentional, even if you're trying to do it for quote unquote the best of reasons, ultimately it's going to put this icky energy around all of it. And I mean, I just, I just think about the, the, the thing that I appreciate so much with my relationship with Serena and I've got another couple of close friends who kind of fall into that category. Everything's so clean. Mm-hmm. Like there's none of this, oh God, I feel like I have to, or... What's the subtext to this? Yes, yeah, exactly. There's none of that. And it actually brings our relationships closer together. And it ironically actually means that that we end up meeting each, each other's needs more, but in a really um, constructive way because it's there's no dependency for the need being met. Instead, it's just sprinkles on the Sunday, like it's like and Serena provides a lot of sprinkles for my Sunday <laughs> gotta be honest Loves sprinkles it's all about the sprinkles as I do for her like I'm yeah. constantly chucking sprinkles on her Sunday it's like <laughs> have some more sprinkles have some more sprinkles but that's the thing is they are sprinkles they are not the the fundamental foundation of what we need to feel good or not good um and so um it's it's something that is a pattern that that can take a little bit of time to get out of because if you've been in this pattern for a while, it's like, oh, mm. I still catch myself sometimes more on the like, especially, especially when my needs aren't being met somewhere else. Like if I'm feeling kind of low energy or if I'm recovering from something and I actually mentioned in the um, piece that I wrote about um, my cancer treatment and it's like I I'd, I'd, I'd noticed these situations where I was getting a little whiny or like kind of doing that like please and I'd catch myself and be like oh no 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 so it is it's a Mm -hmm. it's a process and it's when it's ingrained in you if it's what you've been conditioned to believe is okay and acceptable and you know how we've learned to get our needs met it is hard so I 
I know often in my journey, there are points where I kind of got a little hard on myself where I'm like, I know better. Like, Mm -hmm. you know better than to do this stuff. And it's like, all right, well, I just caught myself doing that. Like, all right, let's, you know, kind of tap and drop down. different. Yeah, and go and find a different way of meeting the need for myself. And I think that the other thing is to to note, like to notice what happens, like how do you deal with this if you find yourself on the receiving end of this? Like if you get the, if you loved me, you would do that or that kind of sense that mm, that is the energy that is being kind of put in your direction as somebody is asking something. In my experience, anytime that shows up is a good opportunity to practice setting boundaries because even if it is something that you would want to do you don't want to create a dynamic with somebody where they believe that by coming at it from that approach you're going to do what they want you to do and so um, I think that that's that's in my experience one of the best approaches is that it could just be, I'm really sorry, I don't have the capacity right now. Or I'm really sorry, that doesn't work with my schedule. Or that doesn't feel in alignment right now. Or um, that just doesn't work for me at the moment. Um, you can, again, it can be, I often find that when it comes to boundaries, especially with these sorts of situations, using phrases like right now or at the moment, it means it doesn't feel like it's this donk forever. Like that's it. That's how it's going to be forever. Instead, it can be like right now, that's how it is. And it may stay that way. And it may not, it could change. So by putting those things on it, it sometimes makes those things easier for somebody else to receive. Where it's like, actually, when somebody puts, kind of comes at you with that kind of pressured approach, even if that pressured is like cutesy or jokey, if there's any kind of pressure in it, in my experience, it's a really good opportunity to practice and exercise setting boundaries so that you can choose to do things when they feel right for you not because there is any kind of pressure to do so so anytime you notice that coming up or you sort of feel that from somebody that's a good place to use the placeholders that we talk about um, in the uh, self-care main simple masterclass where it's like um, the placeholder is the thing that you immediately say that's a no that then if you want to go back and change your mind afterwards, you can, but the first answer is almost always no. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I think I'm busy right then, or I don't have the capacity right now. The things that I just shared, they're just placeholder boundaries, basically, that you're putting in those moments. If you go away and think about it and you change your mind and you come back and say, actually, I've had a think about it, I would like to do that. And again, the, the phrase, if you listen to the language, it's not like I will do that for you, it's I would like to do that and that's one of those ways where you can take this situation where there's been a pressure that's been applied in how it's been asked you can put the boundary down around a guy actually I'm not responding to the pressure and then later on if you after consideration decide actually this is something I would like to do you can go back and say I would like to do this so it's like it's coming from the fact that you want to do it not because of how they've positioned it how they phrased it how they framed it that you should do it if you are somebody who loves them or cares about them. I've actually had some experience where it's very dependent on the relationship you have with the specific person Yeah, where I've been able to call it out, where I'm going to use the glass of water because it's a simple example. Like maybe I really wanted to or would have been more than happy to get the glass of water, but because it was preference with the if you loved me or something along those lines, it immediately feels icky. And I've done it in the past where I've said, you know, I'm actually, I'm more than happy to get you the glass of water, but it's not be like in 
saying just you know this way of asking doesn't work for me right it doesn't like, feel clean it feels icky or you know I love you and that's not why I'm gonna get you the glass of water I'm more than happy to do that but like addressing exactly yeah. that like this isn't gonna work with me I will do this now because not to bring up Larry again but I have a thing where sometimes he does things that are cute and the first time he does it's cute and he may get a treat for it and then thereafter it's not so cute and my husband's like well what do you think you were gonna do you're reinforcing yeah this cute behavior because it was cute once and it's like well now I'm trying to stop it and he's like well now you have to yes you know dial decondition him around what he's what he's gonna get rewarded for exactly so we're not saying that the second somebody comes up to you, you automatically can't do what they're asking. Mm-hmm. But if you're feeling an ickiness, make sure you address that because right. you don't want to start this cycle of this is how I get this person to do things. Absolutely. And Serena's right. That's very dependent on the relationship you have. So if it's like, if it's an icky situation and it's someone who's close, who you feel able to have that conversation uh, with. I mean, the other thing, and this is something I've done in the past, is like, actually, like that way of asking doesn't work for me. I'm happy to do this for you right now. But just let you know, if you ask me that way again, I'm not I'm not going to say yes because it doesn't that doesn't feel good to me and again that's a good way of kind of letting you know where the boundary is the boundary is that way of doing it doesn't work you now know that if you choose to do that again it's not going to happen um but again it depends on the as Serena says it depends on the relationship if you're not at that point then the ickiness the ickiness can be avoided by clearing the niggle with the person or it can be uh, avoided by setting the boundary um either one of these you want to address it because that's not a behavior once we allow that behavior once and we don't address it it makes it that much easier for someone just to keep doing it and so with those sorts of things nipping them in the bud is definitely uh helpful I think that's it for today anything you want to add I'm good. <laughs> For a change. <laughs> hey, I always say that and then I pop back in later. Right. <laughs> so anyway, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode. We appreciate you. We appreciate you being here. Remember to stay safe, to take care of yourself. And remember between now and next time to keep meeting your own needs. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Bye, friends. So we haven't actually done this before, but we just finished recording and I just suddenly realized on the other side of recording, there was something really important that actually I wanted to add into this. Jeez, we're opening a can of worms <laughs> now. Uh, I promise I won't do this very often. I'm not, I can't speak for Serena, but. <laughs> <laughs> so what I suddenly realized is that the whole thing about the if you love me thing is that if you love me, you would do this. Well, the reality is, if they loved you, they wouldn't be trying to manipulate you using your needs. Ooh. All right. That was worth that add-on. Right? <laughs> she didn't know what I, I was going to say. She, she's like, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> but I, th- I do think it's really important to recognize that, that, that if – that the the kind of premise of that is like if you love me you would do this but actually that's not a love relationship loving love, a loving relationship is somebody when you are really loving of somebody you want them to have their needs met and you want to have your needs met and you want to find a way of doing that that that, that truly works for both of you if you're trying to make meet one person's needs at the cost of the other person's that's not love that's a form of manipulation mm-hmm. and it's not that every time I'm not saying that anytime somebody does that they don't love you it's like that's not love in action that is something that is a 
toxic behavior that is often happening in loving relationships. Mm-hmm. And we want to remove that toxic behavior. And I just want you to realize that if somebody says this to you, just take a moment to be like, actually, if you would love me, you wouldn't ask me that question like that. What you would do is you would ask me to find a way of doing it that works for both of us. And uh, as I said, it's not a big thing, but I did think it was, it wasn't like a, like a long piece of content we had to add in. But as we finished, I was like, ah, shit, I really need to say that because I do think it's an important um, perspective shift mm-hmm. when it comes to this language, where which allows us to be like, actually, if you were loving me right now, you wouldn't be asking me this thing. So I'm going to set a boundary because the boundary is what's going to bring that relationship closer together. Because that asking that question actually pulls us apart. Let's set a boundary because that's the thing that will be able to bring us closer together because we'll find a way of doing it that works for both of us. Manipulation doesn't belong in love. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And the reason manipulation is present is because our needs aren't met. So if we want to shift this behavior, the easiest way of doing it is actually to take care of our own needs. Because once our needs are met, we don't need somebody else to do anything for us in a certain way in order for us to be okay or happy or fulfilled. And certainly we don't want to be um, putting that obligation, manipulation onto our closest relationships. We want those to be a sacred place where actually what happens there is mutual support, a reciprocity and clean. clean and mutually valuing of everybody and their needs. So, um, so yeah, um, that's our little add on. We're just going to say goodbye again now. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And remember to now next time to remember to keep taking care of your own needs. Lots of love. Bye. Bye friends. That's it for today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and give us a written review as it will help more people find us. And remember, in a truly loving relationship, you want to operate in a way which is truly respectful of everybody's needs. Well, shit. It really is that simple.